We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. Good morning and a happy Saturday to everyone. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. Yeah, beautiful? Really, Matt? What's the temperature down there today? (laughs) Well, the other day the heat index was 103, John, and uh, somehow I knew you would bring it up. I just didn't know it would be so soon. Let me let me look at the thermometer here. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Seventy three degrees uh-huh. right here in Northville, Minnesota. <laughs> is that inside or outside, John? That that is outside. Is it really? Oh, <laughs> you're killing me. Oh. oh, I know. And here to add add uh, even more, uh, we now have a bacon restaurant in in Minneapolis. Oh yeah, yeah. it's an all bacon restaurant, Matt. So. <laughs> What can I tell you? In fact, you you told me you actually saw this when you were up here for the youth gathering. Yeah, to add insult to injury, uh, yeah, yeah, John texts texts me this picture of this all bacon restaurant, a link to it, and actually, when we were up there for the national youth gathering in Minneapolis, our hotel was literally right across the street from this bacon restaurant signs were up <laughs> menus posted it looked amazing but it was closed for training and hadn't opened yet it was torture oh, oh so oh, close I didn't, they I were actually so training even oh <laughs> no, there, man there were people inside the restaurant oh, the bacon was probably wow. in the fridge <laughs> so close <laughs> Oh, it was torture. Oh, terrible. And and today I'm actually coming live <laughs> from the bacon restaurant. From the bacon restaurant. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Life okay. is good in Minnesota. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we'll but you know, we'll we'll be coming back. We'll be coming back in another couple months because it's going to get the bacon will be frozen up here. That'll be the problem. <laughs> you can get it. But it'll all yeah. be frozen. You have to thaw it out. So, yeah, uh, that's right. Get an ice pick out <laughs> to break it off. Uh, Matt, one more thing. We want to do Second Timothy. So the people that we keep, keep telling them this, and that, what are they going to do? We're doing it today. But one last thing. Can I talk about Judaism? Just one last thing. Please do, John. Uh, Did we mention who we are? Is this? <laughs> I think they probably figured it out at this point. Did they? Okay. No, okay, but this is, just to make it official, this is wrestling, wrestling with, with the, basics. the basics. And I, I'm Pastor Jolly John McComsky. I don't think I introduced myself either. No, you are too busy uh, bragging about your 73 degrees temperature. And the bacon is so and distracting. The bacon. I know, I know. So so last week, you brought up the issue of why why is it so hard for the Jews to believe? Yes. Uh, and, and we talked about the fact that they have a different view of the Messiah, uh, that for them the Messiah was someone who would bring an earthly, a worldly shalom, an immediate shalom. And, of course, we believe that Christ the Messiah came to bring us a spiritual shalom, an internal shalom, although it will finally be exactly what the Jews imagined it to be. Uh, when he returns at the end. Sure, new heavens but, and new earth, yes. Exactly. So, But here's the other thing, as, as I was reading, that the problem is, do you know what the word abrogation means, Tim? Uh, or Tim? <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Quit that bacon. Get away from me. I have to focus. Yeah, so... So, <laughs> so I know you're just... 
Delirious on pork. I know it's tough. The bacon smells so good. <laughs> I should never have done this. Okay, go ahead, Matt. All right, so yeah, so like if there's a doctrine of of abrogation. So the the later teaching supersedes the earlier teaching. Is, and, and, is that and, correct? And, yes, and it's a okay. fundamental teaching of the Muslim faith. Yes, it and, is. If you've ever wondered why there can be so many different supposed Muslim teachings is because, yeah, Mohammed had different prophecies, and the rule is the later prophecies would abrogate the earlier prophecies. And it sounds like that's what we Christians are doing. Because, no, no, the Jews would absolutely say there is no abrogation. It is the Torah. Uh, This is the law. It is always the law. Um, And even though, ironically, they have actually abrogated the law. Because as we talked about, they can't sacrifice. They can't go to the temple anymore. And yet they would insist, but we're only doing these other things because we don't have any other choice. No, we still turn to the Torah as our final source and authority. Um, But why would the Jews think that we practice abrogation, Matt? Well, because we come along and we say, well, we, we, you worship this Jesus guy. You know, you don't have to sacrifice to the temple. It's not about that. That one sacrifice on the cross, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, he covers it all. Uh, but they, yeah, they, so, they might make that claim that's, well, that's a new teaching. And Well, that's right. So no circumcision. You know, we, we don't have the restrictions in terms of the dietary mm-hmm, laws mm-hmm. and everything. But I, I, I just wanted to share this with you because I was reading in Matthew 5, and, and it gave me a totally different understanding when Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And I think Jesus was really speaking to the Jewish people of that day and this day. No, no, please understand. We're not abrogating those things. If if you and I, Matt, lived in those Old Testament times, we would keep all of those laws because those are the laws that gave us. It's not an abrogation. It is a fulfillment. Uh, as, as Paul said, these were a shadow of the things to come. But we're not denying those things. Those things are absolutely important. They were crucial that the people of God did them. And Jesus Christ came not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought I never really understood that passage that way before, that Jesus is talking to the Jews and saying, no, no, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of these things, but I am bringing them to their fruition and to their fulfillment. Uh, and that's what he says. Not a jot or tittle will pass away until all is accomplished. And, of course, as Christians, we believe it is accomplished. And God help us to witness to our Jewish friends that, yeah, we're not getting rid of the Old Testament. We're just having it fulfilled and everything you've been waiting for and hoping for. And it's now yours in Jesus Christ. So that's it. Anything more you want to say about that, Matt? Otherwise, I'm ready to go into but, second. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it, just to punctuate what you said, and I, I agree with everything, is that gives us reason to actually read the Old Testament, too, because Christ yes. is the fulfillment. Because I think some Christians are even tempted to, well, I think Christians sometimes even have that view that, well, Jesus is ushering in something new, and, and maybe we don't even need the Old Testament. But, well, no, no, the Old Testament helps us to, to see who Christ is and to rejoice in the fulfillment that he brings in the law and in the keeping of all those prophecies of the Messiah. So, yeah, uh, don't throw away your Old Testament. You know, and I think we can go all the way back to Adam and Eve and say, well, they were the first Christians. They were the first ones that that really believed that promise of the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah who was to come. You know, Genesis 3.15, that first promise of a Savior. And uh, by faith, Adam and Eve are looking for him. Yep. So, so absolutely, Matt. Yeah, I think you put it profoundly. Yeah. There, there are not. There are no two churches. There's one church, and it's always been a church of faith, both in the old and in the new. So, where are we picking up Second Timothy, Matt? 
All right, yeah, well, yeah, let's get back in Second Timothy. We're going to yeah. be in chapter 2, and okay. well, let's pick up, you know, perhaps we can pick up with verse, uh, uh, let's see here, maybe with uh, verse 10, verses 10 through okay. 13, oh. if that's okay. I was hoping you would do that oh, well, because good. that's some great stuff. Okay. Yeah. And and just just real briefly to, to set the stage again, Second uh, Timothy written by Paul, a written to young pastor Timothy, a written while he's in prison, not just under house arrest, but in prison, prison in chains even. And this is a letter that's written by Paul as he knows full well that his life is probably nearing its end. And so he writes to Timothy with words of instruction, words of encouragement uh, for this young pastor, but also for us today and for all Christians. And I think that that this is a letter that really has special emotion and just a personal a personal touch to it from Paul to his son in faith, as he calls him, uh, Timothy. So, uh, yeah, we'll pick up with chapter two, beginning with with verse 10. And this is uh, likely what you're about to read are the words of an early Christian hymn, we're assuming. Oh yeah, I noticed it's kind of written in a in a poetic style. Here yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. even in our oh. Bibles, yeah, it's kind of uh, set offset, so it looks different, and you know, likely an early Christian hymn. So it's something that maybe uh, it would be like quoting maybe Amazing Grace or A Mighty Fortress. It's, it's something that perhaps Timothy's familiar with as Paul quotes this at the end of chapter two. Do, do you want me to sing it, Matt? <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> We've tried that already, John. It didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> therefore, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, and here comes the hymn, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. All right. So you you are hoping we would go over these words. Why were why were you hoping for that, John? Do you have something well, that you wanted to, to to point out or share? We just we talked about them. We talked about them the last time we did it a few weeks ago, yeah. and I just thought they're just so remarkable, beautiful words. So we we are faithless. I love that we are faithless, but but he remains faithful. We we just had the story uh, earlier in Thy Strong Word of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, Daniel comes and says, you know, if, if you do what's right and if you, you uh, show mercy to the poor, maybe God will extend your prosperity. And then Nebuchadnezzar doesn't do this. And Nebuchadnezzar becomes like a, a beast. Uh, he gets He's insane. He's crazy. And yet in the end, God restores Nebuchadnezzar because God cannot deny himself. And I thought, what a beautiful promise to know that even when we fall away, God's still going to love us. He's not going to stop loving us. He's going to do everything possible to restore us. So anyway, that's uh, why I thought that was a great verse. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? If, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You know, that's, 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 he's promising it. He can't deny himself. He's going to do it. Uh, but then also that, that one word of warning, really, though, there, too, if we deny him, yeah. he will deny us. Boy. And I, I think one of the things it comes down to is, well, who do we who do we fear? Who do we fear more? Do we fear man more? Or do we fear God more um, in terms of, of whether we confess the faith or not? So, uh, you know, something to keep in mind there, too. Um, and really, I think a word of warning there. Um, uh, but uh, like you pointed out, in the end, uh, even our faithlessness, God is faithful. So a word of hope as well. 
Yeah, and so the, the, the catechism, it was always fear, love, and trust, wasn't it? Yeah. We should fear, yeah. love, and trust. So it is a matter of who we fear more. It's also a matter of who we trust more. Yeah. And that, of course, was Nebuchadnezzar's problem because he trusted in himself and in his own glory rather than the Lord, and he saw how far that got him. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I could relate similar experiences, although neither of us have gone crazy. At least I don't think so. <laughs> it's not to that extent. <laughs> maybe people might argue, though. <laughs> so. All right. Well, good. Let's, uh, if you're ready, let's press on then to uh, okay. about verses 14 through 17, or at least the first part of verse 17. A further instructions again for Pastor Timothy. So, having exhorted us to the faithfulness of God, now here's some practical advice. Uh, 14 and what, Tim? <laughs> uh, through uh, 17. It's the first part of 17. Okay. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble. Oh, my God, they're talking about the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's in the footnotes. See, wrestling uh, with the basics. <laughs> yeah, wrestling with the basics, for example. Uh, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Okay, well, let's stop there. Okay. So, so hopefully we're not spreading gangrene on Saturday morning's <laughs> show. Oh, jeez. Oh man! But but you're you're right. Here, Paul's talking about the importance of how we use our our words, what we say, yeah. what we say matters a lot. Uh, I can't help but think of the the eighth commandment then, the one that has to deal with our words, not giving false testimony and all that involves uh, to not tell lies or betray or slander or hurt our neighbor's reputation, but defend him and speak well of him, explain everything in the kindest way. Luther says. So. Be conscious of how we use our words. Use words, but use them for the right reasons. Um, and then he goes on to talk about this irreverent babble when it comes to words. Uh, and what effect does irreverent babble have on the church? It leads people into more and more ungodliness. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that something? Ungodliness, and I, where we ended it, it spreads like gangrene. gangrene. Oh, what an image. You know, this idea yeah. of gangrene, this infection that really kills body tissue it brings death and as it spreads more and more boy it can even end a person's life so that irreverent babble that talk that's not wholesome that's that's just worthless and causes quarrels and dissensions it spreads like gangrene and and sadly i paul's really talking about what can happen within the church itself and sometimes that happens among christians uh there is a reverent babble and it does spread, and it does kill, and it does hurt individuals, but even Christian community, too. And, 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 and uh, when we read the next verse, uh, because, I, I, you know, we do a lot of stuff for fun. Uh, but I don't think that's what Paul is talking about, do you? I don't think he's talking about the kind of foolishness that we have about bacon and, and, and what have you. <laughs> so, but but he, yeah. he's talking about when people start talking religion and, and they're not staying with the word of God, the, the clearly revealed word, but they do. They start arguing about words, as you said earlier, quarreling about words. And it just becomes, they're just arguing to be arguing uh, without any real concern about uh, the word of truth. I love that phrase there, rightly handling the word of truth. Yes. Um, and I think as we move on, we'll see him even illustrate that more in terms of uh, what he's that's his concern that, that, that the truth don't get uh, all wrapped up. And we'd love to do that in the church. We'd love to argue and quarrel about things that really aren't worth arguing and quarreling about. So. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, our, our bacon talk at the beginning of the show. No, that, that isn't good fun, and hopefully our hearers recognize that, and uh, hopefully it, it endears us to them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but but uh, I, yeah, I think he is talking about, yes, uh, irreverent babble that has to do with words, and it's, it's that talk about... Um, Arguing over things that really don't need to be argued about. Uh, things that maybe aren't commanded, forbidden in Scripture. Uh, and I think part of the challenge is then, frankly, is having the wisdom then to discern what is worth arguing about and what is not worth arguing about. Uh, because there are things within the church and individual congregations that bring such division. Uh, and it, it, and sometimes it's over just the, 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 the smallest of things. It's usually over something we can feel and see, something tangible, like the color of the carpet in the church that we end up arguing about and, and getting mad over and holding grudges over. Uh, and that's unfortunate because it does spread like gangrene. And boy, that affects people then and becomes a barrier to hearing the words that are important, the words of the Lord, the words of life, the words of the gospel. So be quiet when it comes to the Reverend Babel. Because what that leads to is really ears that are stopped up when it comes to hearing what is truly important, the life-giving Word of God. Well, and I'm thinking this is, uh, this is true throughout the history of the church, and it's true of what's going on now, that congregations, like you say, they get divided over the color of the carpet. Uh, I remember my own congregation had a big discussion about what were they going to do with the parking lot. Uh, um, and, you know, I guess we could even point out the history of the church where there was a big argument about what day should you celebrate Easter. Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, our Lutheran confessions consider say, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't divide us in terms of faith. Uh, but but it's a problem. Paul knows it's a problem, and he warns Timothy that it will be a problem for him and the church in his day as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are other things that are worth discussing about when it comes to things of doctrine and different things. There was a, a recent, uh, I don't know if you heard the decision that was made by the Pope over words. Did you hear about this with the oh, Lord's, yes, with the Lord's, the Lord's prayer? prayer? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think I'm trying to put the best construction on things here. I think Pope Francis trying to get the point across that God doesn't lead us into temptation. Um, and, and, and he's right. When we pray that sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not to temptation, we recognize God tempts no one. All right. And, and we need to unpack that a little bit. And we have on wrestling the basics even in past episodes. Uh, but uh, the Pope took it a step further and he actually changed the wording of the Lord's Prayer to uh, do not let us fall into temptation. Uh, trying to give a little explanation then in his changing of the words. The only problem is when he changed the words is that's not the words Jesus uses. Yes. That's yeah. Not, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, we would say, well, maybe that one is worth arguing about and discussing a little. That's an example. Uh, let's 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 not change the words of Jesus. And it's kind of a slippery slope, I think, too. Uh, yeah. How? What other things are we going to change when it comes to the Bible and the Word of the Lord? Uh, so that that's something that probably is just worth discussing and having a a, uh, a you know a, a debate, perhaps even over. Uh, whether that's right or not. And I'd say, well, no, don't change the words. But I do give explanation, though, to what the words mean when Jesus says them. But uh, that's an example. But even as we talk about those things, I, I think we also follow Paul's admonition to, to restore people with gentleness and love, uh, to speak the truth in love. So even as we discuss those important words, the way in which dis we discuss it, I think, uh, can uh, be wholesome or not. And, and you know what? You're absolutely right. And, and as we move on to the next verses, we'll see Paul emphasizing that point again. It's not just the issue. It's how we address the issue. And man, this is so important. 
Because right now, uh, in the kingdom of the left, it seems like no one is concerned about how they are saying things. They just want <laughs> to say it in the most uh, shocking and, and uh, attention-drawing way. Uh, and, and that's a shame, because then things will not get settled. Uh, and that's what Paul is warning us against here in the, in the church as well. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the Eighth Commandment applies to us at all times, even when we talk politics, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's a yeah. whole lot more fun to, to stir the pot, a whole lot more fun to oh, yeah. sling yeah. mud and call names. Uh, but no, that's not what we're called to do as Christians. No. Uh, remember the Eighth Commandment. Yeah. So in the in the verses that follow, John, the Paul gives us kind of a, an example. He kind of gives us a case study of a time when this irreverent babble has actually led to infection spreading and two problems in the church. Uh, and he writes this to Timothy. So do you want to continue with the uh, sure. yeah, uh, verse 17, that, that second part of, through verse 19? So among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. Now, here's the thing, Matt. That does seem like a doctrinal issue, though, doesn't it? It saying does. that the resurrection yeah. has already I, happened? I, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, so their words are about something that does matter, all right? It's not just babble. It's it's really, yeah, in this case that Paul uses, it's a false teaching. So their words are spreading like infection, and it's causing some uh, to be upset, upsetting the faith of some. So some are even you know, second-guessing themselves or maybe second-guessing the word of the Lord, the words of Paul, and, and their faith is at stake here, it seems. It's a serious issue. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Yeah, so if, yeah, so if, you're, if you're a Christian, if you know the Lord, if you bear the name of Christ, then yeah, walk the walk, but, but talk the talk, too. And especially in this case, they're saying the resurrection had already happened, so either you missed out on it, or the resurrection is, well, just kind of a spiritual thing. It's not really a physical resurrection, both of which are wrong, <laughs> but they've got the church stirred up and worried. And Paul uses this as an example of, of how our words matter. Be careful. And, and you know, do you think what, what Paul is saying here would be similar to what Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out? And he said, if you, if you bring peace to a house and the people refuse your peace, then you just shake the dust off your feet and, and move on down the road. Uh, that, that there comes a time when, you, you know what, there's no more discussion. We can't really talk about this. People have already just out and out rejected uh, what the Bible teaches. And maybe at that point, there's no value in quarreling. We just say, hey, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And we just move on uh, and, and go somewhere else. Perhaps at, at some point, yeah, and that's, again, Jesus instructs that. Um, and I think the importance of, with about 60 seconds left, the importance of um, knowing God's Word, too. There's been uh, studies on conflict in churches, and it's, it's, it's a simple truth, but it's a profound one. The more people are in God's Word and engage in Bible study, the less conflict there is. That's like the number one factor. And so if you know the Word of the Lord, when someone like these uh, two individuals Paul names brings up this false teaching, well, you can recognize it. You can talk about it. You can address it. And then I think when, you know, when you're focused on God's Word, too, well, then it kind of puts things into perspective, what, what's really worth discussing and what's uh, maybe not so big of an issue after all. 
All right. Well, Matt, next week we'll further pursue, because this is something that hits home. How do we handle disagreements and, and quarrels in our church? And I think Paul's going to have some really good advice as we continue reading in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Most definitely. So join us next week on Wrestling with the Basics. Wrestling with the Basics. <laughs>